2: This is a more than just podcast production.
1: <laughs> Welcome to SpotCast, Season 4, Episode 3. My name is Tim and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulai in Mystery, Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there! We also have on the line, in Seattle, Washington, the one, the only, I'm a Lopus Jr. How's it going? Esquire. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> all righty all right let's get on let's dig in we, we're back for a recap uh we're going to talk about uh i think today we're talking wrapping up the winter sh- falcon and the winter soldier falcon and the winter soldier i don't know why i can't say shoulder i almost say shoulder
2: <laughs> his winter shoulder is really <laughs> yeah, impressive
1: well, yeah well he, his shoulder does detach i mean so i guess it's you know especially if winter. you're fighting wakandans falcon and the detachable shoulder guy um yeah and we're also going to talk about it's in- invincible now that we've i think we've consumed a lot of those shows, maybe Jaime hasn't caught them all, but as a fact check, once again, we have we were talking about Adam Baldwin, oh, man, Adam Baldwin uh, is, is distant related to the Baldwin brothers, He's his family's from Chicago, they're from somewhere else, but they are, if you go up the Ancestry.com tree, they do eventually collide. Interesting. Um, yeah, but not that far, like they're like they're cousins or something like that. Um, yeah, so, and uh, we were talking about the uh, Who Inspires You thing, and I think uh, I had said that John Wilker and Jonathan Kuhlian had said that there, who inspired them was um, uh, wow. Malcolm, Reynolds. Malcolm Reynolds, but it Reynolds, actually, yeah. the, the question actually is not who inspires you, but what is who or what is your favorite fictional character was the answer that you both provided for Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah, um, and then we were also talking about a, a resident alien, at least I was, and uh, we were, we were wondering where it was in, in the. It's on C- space station here in Canada. CTV, what do you call it? CTV Sci-Fi now, I think. CTV Sci-Fi,
2: that's right.
1: Yeah, uh, it's on Sci-Fi Network. It's a Sci-Fi Network published uh, show in the United States of America america and what is po- oh this is uh we true.
2: don't have they don't have subsidized sci-fi down there that's uh no they, they don't have, well, they <laughs> they have subsidized sci-fi.
0: vaccines but yeah hmm? yeah we got vaccines coming out our ears but uh no no uh no subsidized so here's,
1: here's a question i have for you the one and only representing all of america person on the show um how does it feel to get a vaccine applied to everybody for free it sounds universal like universal health care it, it sounds like the most
0: <laughs> innovative idea possible uh, A thing that could truly only happen in the U.S. of A. So
2: maybe I'll catch on someday. So maybe it's we'll good thing you guys up, invented yeah. that. I don't know what the rest of the world would have done without you. Hashtag innovation yeah, Right, So that's true.
1: <laughs> oh, Tommy Douglas is rolling in his grave right about now. Um, was it Tommy Douglas, Jonathan? It
2: was, in fact, Tommy Douglas. Yes. Yeah, there you go.
1: And he's uh, the grand, great grandfather, grandfather of Kiefer Sutherland, Right. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Grandfather on his, mother, on his mother's side. On his mother's side. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. So uh, we have some headlines now. So we'll we'll let Tommy take the reins and talk about stuff and junk.
0: Yeah. Not a lot of news here on on this one just the announcement that netflix in its continuing quest to make a whole bunch of you know content that's unique to its platform is making a live-action gundam movie directed by uh, jordan vote roberts i think i'm not familiar with uh, their work uh and gundam is those big giant creatures the uh, gundam is a japanese show it's been on for decades in, in multiple variations yep. where you have the the mecha suits they're fighting so people get oh, into yeah right okay in, yeah to, to armor uh suits of armor large suits of armor and they they fight each other for various reasons in in wars right mm-hmm. yeah so it seems are pretty you a Gundam pre- fan me. Jaime? I never got deep into it I've seen a handful of things here and there and I, I probably just very similar to Doctor Who I probably just need to find a series and just jump onto the the train at some point
2: yeah it, it seems like it's been a long time coming between that and sort of Robotech and there's so many different uh Uh, you know, anime series that have dealt with the sort of, you know, the giant suits. Pacific Rim is probably the closest we've come to that sort of like giant suit of armor wrapped around a a person deal. But Gundam could be pretty cool. Although we did, we did get to see a little bit of that Gundam was, they used a Gundam character in um, ready player one, right? Oh right. Yeah, yeah. I think they did. Yeah. So I think it could be cool, but then, you know, let's pray they don't whitewash it. (laughs) That that is,
0: that is a potential problem for sure. But, but otherwise, you know, Netflix has the kind of money, to, to spend to get the, the special effects work uh, working out pretty well and hopefully they'll they don't create something whole cloth hopefully they'll take some ideas from some of the better uh, as I said there's multiple series of Gundam presumably that you could you could stitch together something from you know common themes yeah
1: all right and then Disney and the Star Wars folks in the tradition fine tradition of George Lucas with their one and done rogue one movie have got a sequel to or prequel to uh, that called andor and we've got the first look at the andor trailer um, just the other day so and 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 sort of a behind the scenes making of i got a link in the show notes here here but um so yeah we're looking forward to Casio and or stories 12 episodes on disney plus i believe
2: yeah it looks quite cool the uh the behind the scenes thing they showed has sort of got the look at the you know they're creating a pretty uh interesting looking world around this i'm i'm never wild about prequels i gotta be honest prequels as a concept haven't been great but i think that there is a lot of untapped potential in that sort of darker side of the rebellion that that could be compelling i think you could have just as easily done it around a brand new character and it would have probably been equally as good but diego is a great actor and i think there's probably some some good stories to be told there
1: i do recall your comment in in the beginning of our review of rogue one that it was kind of cool to see him have that sort of nasty side right off the bat right
2: yeah i think it really sets a tone when you see that there are you know as much as there's sort of this you know princess leia dresses in pure white mom mothma dresses in pure white there are these sort of paragons in the on the rebellion side that seem like we're the side of goodness and we do the right thing and then you get to see somebody like Cassian who's like if i don't shoot this guy dead right here and now he's going to rat us out and we're going to be up the creek and the rebellion would be in danger so he just kills a guy you know like yeah. that is more to me true to what it must have had to be like to be a spy to be in those kind of worlds where you have to make these horrible choices in the name of goodness
1: yeah and i think Rob one in that sense a lot of people like rogue one because it has that sort of you know um sort of you know uh almost like a war movie kind of deal where you know you you kill the other guy because he's the other guy like he's you know if you don't kill him he's going to kill you kind of thing deal right so and if and if he hadn't done that you know he wouldn't he wouldn't have had the plans and he would you know star wars 4 would never have been made and so on and so forth right in theory <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i think i think it's good i think it's going to be interesting to see how much more into that world i think we can officially declare that the show's on. Un- Disney Plus are wins so far in that they give you a lot more depth, a lot more character, a lot more time with these people to sort of you know see what makes them tick. You think about how you know successful that's been on the Mandalorian, you think, yeah, if we can get a real deep dive into that sort of dark side of the rebellion, it, I think it's gonna be a great show.
1: True. And it's also true of, of you know Apple and Disney Plus. We were kind of concerned about their sort of wholesome, you know, family value kind of yeah. attitudes. And yeah. and they've sort of they've they've thrown that, you know, thrown that to the wind and and you know they've dropped F bombs and they've had you know questionable stories and plot lines and stuff like that, which you know mm-hmm. are not your your safe cup of tea, as it were, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: All righty. And then uh, so we have another we had another uh, passing away since we last recorded uh, Felix Silla, um, who played Cousin It. Uh, I didn't know it was spelled I T T by the way. On The Adams Family, died at eighty four. But he was also probably known to you guys as the little robot in Buck Rogers called Tweaky, I think. Yeah. The be 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 guy. Yeah. And he also was the hang gliding. Ewok in Return of the Jedi, so yeah, hmm. yeah. So he's kind of kind of got around. There's, there's a few more um, credits here listed in the link that I've got here as well.
2: Yeah, and he was in a bunch of different sci-fi things over the years. He was a little person, right? He uh, he was diminutive, and so he got these sort of interesting roles that you know they needed somebody who could follow direction, but was also you know somewhat diminutive. And uh, cool. yeah, it's an interesting little resume. I, I saw the the obit on him last week. And it was uh, cool. one of those people you do you wouldn't recognize them out of a lineup, but at the same time they. Been in a lot of stuff you've enjoyed,
1: right. and now that Jaime's finished season season six of uh, King's Convenience, you can talk about this next one. This is sixth season. I'm, pull- I'm, I'm pulling
0: your leg. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was like, man, I just saw it's the not notification
1: that
0: June June something or other, maybe June 30th is when it comes to Netflix for the fifth season of King's Convenience. But uh, oh, fifth season is it? Five seasons? I think it's five seasons. Yeah, it's whatever the last
1: season was. Yeah, sorry.
0: Great, great. Uh, so we've got uh, the first trailer here uh, or teaser or uh, Marvel's new movie. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings starring, uh, as you mentioned there, Simu Lu from uh, Who Played Jung on uh, Kim's Convenience. Uh, Aquafina Canada's Own. Canada's Own. And uh, it, it's looking, looking pretty cool. It's kind of interesting seeing somebody in that um, very different kind of role. You know, uh, much more serious role for, uh, for Simu Lu uh, But he, I mean, his, his character on uh, Kim's Convenience like clearly had the build for this sort of thing. So it's kind of cool to see that he can just roll right into that, into something that's going to come out in, what, September, I think. So Looking yeah. pretty
1: neat. I'm not sure how this is going to come out in editing. Just be sure clear that that, that he's the Canada's own, not Aquafina. She's um, sure, from she's you know.
2: from New York. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it, he looks very badass. Like he he looks pretty at home uh, in yeah. this, you know, very grand sort of uh, epic looking trailer. Yeah. And apparently, he pitched for the role too, because like,
1: as soon as he heard it was like available, he said, "Hey, Marvel, over here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of thing, which is cool that he got it.
2: Yeah. Right, and thankfully, they they didn't go the uh, route of the original comics. It looks like they've changed some of the story. So, in the original comics, he is uh, Shang Chi is the son of a uh, powerful ancient Asian uh, crime family, and his father is. Um, Oh god, what was his name? The yellow uh, something incredibly racist. Oh, uh Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu. Oh, I <laughs> do remember that um, Yeah. Yeah, not not an ideal stereotype to put out there anymore. Uh not well, nor was it ever. And it looks like they're rewriting it so that in place of that his father's going to be the mandarin, uh which oh, of course oh. is going to tie us back into, you know, the the Iron Man storylines and uh yeah, it could be potentially really interesting to see how they tie that all together. It Seems like they're going to bring us back to where they left off. That one little bonus movie that was at the end of Iron Man three, that came with the Iron Man three DVD, that had the Justin Hammer character in prison, along with the uh, Ben Kingsley's character, the faux Mandarin. And, it, and then it turns out right. that there's actually a real Mandarin organization that's not very happy that he used their name.
1: Oh, this right. That was the character from, what was that? Was that a Spider-Man or? That was Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He was like the, the made for TV Mandarin kind of guy, right?
2: Yeah. Because they basically co-opted it to try and do their own thing. And it was sort of this red herring. But then it turns out that there's actually a real organization and they are really not impressed with the fact that they decided to do that.
0: Okay. Oh, all right. So poor Netflix, I mean. And yeah, so um, poor of Netflix and that their uh, their subscriber growth is stalling as it runs low and hits is the the, the title here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of not surprising given that uh, at some point you hit the pandemic, right? And your all your studio stuff gets backed up. Uh, some some services ended up a little bit luckier than others, um, but everybody ends up with it at some point. So uh, not a lot to say here. Uh, I've definitely been spending more time on other services than Netflix, but uh, but looking forward to them having more stuff in the in the near future. So good problem to have. Where oh no, Netflix doesn't have stuff. So, all right, well you can just cancel then, and I can start it back up whenever <laughs> I want. <laughs> it,
1: it is funny though you, that you say that because I have been spending more time with uh, with Apple TV, Disney Plus, and uh, and Prime myself, right? As you know, even more so than Canadian or Canadian cable TV. I'm finding I'm not watching that as much these days as well. So and it's I, don't, I think I just go to Netflix for a few things. And think, what was the last time I went to uh, Stowaway, which wasn't that great, you know? But uh, yeah, I've been finding that too interesting. All right, and then um, yeah. so so mine's up next and that's the well we probably could have all grabbed this one but uh i posted it first that's all that matters um <laughs> dr who crosses over with the game of thrones as matt smith joins the cast of the uh what are you calling house of dragon um and this is a, a series of pictures that were posted um and he plays uh a, a ancestor of uh targaryen right um targaryen is our name yeah daenerys mm-hmm. yeah daenerys targaryen um yeah so this a picture of him um renair Rhaeny- and daemon and uh grandfather, I think. A few other characters, which I don't recognize, so you guys can dive Oh, Steve Tucson. I recognize that name, but you guys can dive in. and.
2: Well, they didn't give us a lot to chew on. They really, that's all they did was put out a handful of photos of people in costumes with wigs on, and it looks very Game of Thronesy. so cool. Uh, but really hard to discern much more than that, out of that. I mean, it's cool that they're finally filming it, and it's cool that it's finally starting to happen. Again, I, I refer you to my previous statement. Not a huge fan of prequels. Now now, this is supposed to be set in a in a fairly distant past it's not meant to be you know a generation or two before or anything like that it's not like we're going to be like oh and there's so and so as a little kid or anything <laughs> weird and random like that it's much supposed to be much more like ans- ancestors as opposed to uh you know uh, pro- you know immediate progenitors but it um yeah i mean it looks very looks very game of thrones so far and hopefully they'll they'll give us something uh, better than the final season of, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah mm. well you know and it's funny that net, that you were talking about Netflix not doing really bad and, and yet they've got a jam-packed slate of summer movies according to this headline yeah
0: right. uh, one of which is, is, uh, has come out uh, and in spoilers is going to be a pick that I'll talk about um, so they've got a, a few movies coming out the Mitchells versus the machines is the one that's already out uh, that came out on April 30th mm-hmm. they've got the uh, Dave Bautista vehicle Army of the Dead coming out on May 21st. That one looks cool. Uh, one I did not know about, but that seems pretty cool because the premise sounds interesting and it's got Liam Neeson. So that's already <laughs> a big win. That's Liam Neeson as an ice road trucker helping to save miners trapped in a diamond mine in Canada. I guess this is a, a very common Canadian experience. So I'll let you all film yeah. that one mm-hmm. that's coming out on June 25th. And then my calendar immediately is marked for June 30th. And that is America, the motion picture. America. It feels like it was yeah. just made <laughs> precisely for me with a a chainsaw-wielding George Washington, teams with beer-loving bro Sam Adams (laughs) to dig down the Brits. Like, oh, wow. And and they don't even mention what seems to be a centaur Robocop. I mean, just come on, man. This is made right for me. (laughs) Yeah. And who plays
1: Benedict Arnold, I wonder. <laughs> right? Dude. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, that it looks interesting, I guess. Maybe. Um, that's just a mess with all the kids who haven't been in history class this year, right? That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: What? You didn't know about the gun-toting bad guys? Centaur,
1: armored-wearing Robocot
2: guy? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> As he crossed
1: the Delaware, right? <laughs> on the Potomac. Off you go, Jaime.
0: Uh, next one we've got is the season four trailer for Castlevania that's coming out on, on May 13th. That's continuing... I the animated season two, yeah, coming out on May thirteenth, which is, it, is... it's hand drawn
1: animation. It's not like three D
0: whatever, right? Yeah, I, I think they, I think they might technically have a mix, as is pretty common. You know, anything that's uh mechanical and therefore difficult to to draw and animate, they'll tend to do the cell shaded CGI to to blend it in. But yeah, predominantly two right. D uh, hand drawn animation. So I like that anime style. We've been keeping it up great. The only thing that's weird is it's coming out on May thirteenth, which is a little early for the you know autumn. Halloweeny kind of feel uh, that they typically have for this, but baseless speculation here. Maybe they wanted to fill the calendar with some stuff. Given the, the problems I was we to say, about. maybe they're
1: grasping at straws, right? Yeah, we were <laughs>
0: like, uh, let's just pull that to the left so that the schedule is a little bit more even from month to month.
1: It looks like they're going to get overshadowed by
0: D- Disney Plus. Segway, yeah uh well not necessarily <laughs> Disney need
1: a Segway sign or something <laughs> yeah, right? not
0: necessarily disney plus here but the the big one that we've got here is the big drop of all of the dates so you can mark your calendars from here till may of 2023 if you wanted to get all the big marvel movies coming out let's see how quickly i can go through these black widow the off delayed one july 9th of this year shang chi we mentioned september 3rd of this year eternals from uh, academy award-winning director Chloe Zhao coming out on November 5th. Spider Man, No Way Home coming out December 17th. Now we cross into 2022 with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. A couple months later on May 6th, we have Thor, Love and Thunder. A couple months after that is July 8th, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. A few months later is November 11th, The Marvels. Now we've gone into 2023 with February 17th, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And the final one we know about is May 5th, 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And now we take yeah. a breather because that is a lot of info to go through and, and uh, tease apart. Well, and they've got the
1: little clip there, the the movie that's attached to this article. I don't know if you watched it, but it's it's got, you know, Stan Lee doing a voiceover about uh, all the sort of characters he's created. But in the middle, it really caught my attention, was the scene from, was it Endgame as the last one? The last Marvel big Avenger movie? That was the mm-hmm. last Avenger movie, yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, if you, I'm sure you guys went and saw it on, maybe Jaime may didn't go see it on the first day, but, you know, one of the reasons why Jonathan and I always try to go to first first runs. Is when there's some like major, you know, earth shaking uh, franchise moment. You know, the entire audience erupts in in, in applause, and you know, it's like you know, uh, you know, the snapping has happened, and you know, the the uh, the Avengers are losing the battle, and you know, you hear Captain America hears on your left or on your right, and and he looks around the corner and he sees the circles that you know that um, what's this dude makes Doctor and Strange, uh... Doctor Strange makes, and they all coming and the audience it just goes bananas and then and then he and then he you know a couple more and then like you see all these characters coming out of out of the snapping and coming back to life kind of thing to to join the battle and and uh captain america says avengers and then of course uh, he, as he catches what yomir is the name of the yomir the, yeah
2: that's yeah, that's catches, one of the scenes too where he's as soon he, you see him with he, the
1: hammer in his hand yeah and he's like he's the only other person that could carry, would carry the hammer right kind of thing and he catches it and says assemble and then the, whole, the audience goes bananas that's like kind of reason why you go to see movies on the first first day you know well it's to... one of
2: the reasons we see movies in general right it's it's the communal experience i want to be sitting next to you in those moments i want to be like dude this is awesome you know like that's and, and I, I felt that way in a bunch of different movie experiences but you cannot replicate that at home you can't no, that, true. that shiver up your spine like we are all in this together we're all seeing it for the first time kind of feeling it's it really is a special thing that movies can do
1: yeah we used to do that when we were kids like we used to cheer and stuff like that i'm sure you guys cheered when the death star got blown up when you were little kids right you know yeah for but sure i remember my like even even my i was with my friend karen we used to go see movies all the time and i remember seeing rocky and we were like punching each other as the, the fight was you know it was coming to a climax right mm-hmm. you know even though it was rocky <laughs> <laughs> the first movie was really good but you know the rest were yeah whatever um, yeah, but that's the kind of experience you get that in the same and the and the Matrix. Uh, uh, when I saw the Matrix, you know, uh, on a, like first night kind of thing, and, and the the audience just everybody collectively dropped their jaws, or or like you know the the dead guy coming out in the movie in the middle of Jaws, and you know, half the audience jumps kind of thing, right? So yeah,
2: no again, I, I saw Scream, the the first Wes Craven Scream in the theaters, right? Yeah, you know, again, it's it's not high art. It's a it's a fun horror flick, slasher horror flick, horror movie, yeah, for sure, yeah, but that seeing it in the movie theater was an amazing experience because it was filled with so many jump scares so there's all kinds of moments where you just like somebody would just leap out or whatever and people were like screaming and like squirming and it was a great again I'm not a huge horror movie guy and I'm you know any of that kind of stuff but it was a really intense experience just because you're in a room full of people and you never know if you're gonna get this blood curdling scream behind you because somebody's you know really scared by what's happening it's it's a, it's a neat experience. Yeah, for sure. The Marvels. Can we just, can we circle back to the Marvels? Sure, I guess. Oh, the Marvels. The I, Marvels. I, that means. I think it's really significant and it's interesting because the first time they've mentioned that is the title of, of Captain Marvel 2 is The Marvels because it implies that it's Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel who they're going to introduce on her, her own Disney Plus show. Oh, okay. So again, we're getting this springboard from Disney Plus into the movie universe where they're going to introduce this character is a very popular modern character within the last decade uh, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, who is a, a Muslim American and uh, has become a very, very popular character. And they're going to introduce her on in a Disney Plus series, give her her uh, springboard, and then uh, carry that into the movies. That is an interesting development. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they they
0: laid some of the groundwork for Monica Rambo's character um, within yeah. the WandaVision series. So I, I think it is the combination of those three Ms. Marvel, yeah. Captain Marvel, and uh, I'm running a blank as to who monica rambo's character is supposed to be when she heroes up.
2: yeah she's had a bunch of she she was captain marvel in the comics she's also been photon and i think she has some different alias now but i cannot recall it off the top of my head Mm -hmm. but yeah i think i think it's interesting that, that it's sort of not just a a hero pilot for brie larson but it's actually sort of expanding that into something bigger which is it's yeah interesting
0: in the uh, in the spirit of Disney not having enough of our money, um, <laughs> and this is going to be really hard to describe because this is an audio only medium, that being a podcast. But uh, check the show notes for those of you transporting at home. The title here from the Verge is Disney reveals its quote real lightsaber and it looks extremely cool, and it does because they've they've yeah. got the uh, the promo for the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser uh, immersive hotel and some sort of super cool lightsaber thing that. Um, why watch the video notice how the the model who's dressed uh, pretty much like ray and she's standing very still as she turns around with the lightsaber held upwards and it ignites itself so she didn't have to extend anything mm. out herself she didn't have to uh do a you know flick of the wrist if you've gotten the ones you know the plastic ones from Walmart the telescope this one <laughs> telescopes itself and people have found the the patent drawing for for how this works It's apparently kind of like a uh, you know a, a tape measure but in reverse mm. so it, it's just <laughs> (laughs) really freaking cool it lights up um of course people are probably going to wonder can you can you hit other things with it too (laughs) and how well will that stand up but um
2: yeah that's the real question isn't just does it look cool but is it like could you have a little sword fight with your pals and not be like damn i just broke my however much this is going to cost us toy
0: yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. I, i mean extra kudos if it somehow is in that sweet spot of you know hard enough to hit somebody like hitting them with like a rolled up newspaper but not so hard that it causes damage. I mean, so it's got to be that sweet spot of, of, of uh, like a wiffle ball uh, a
2: bat. I don't know. As a younger sibling, I can tell you that if uh, if somebody wants to hit you with something hard enough, they'll find a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one here is
0: uh, a new addition to Disney Plus coming up this fall, and that is the uh, the Haunted Mansion Halloween special for the Muppets. They, they started with um, uh, Gonzo, and I forget what the prawn's name is. What's his name? Is it Felipe? Jose? What's... Yeah, he's Felipe. Felipe the, the yeah. prawn, doing a little bit of a, of a promo. So looking forward to that one. I, I like the Muppets. I'm glad that uh, that property is owned by Disney, so it can be right there on Disney+. Plus.
2: All right, I'm up next. So we've got news that they're going to uh, reboot Red Sonia, which for those who may remember way in the past, was a very popular, very popular, mildly popular uh, sword and sorcery book in the vein of Conan starring a uh, strapping young woman with red hair who uh, is also sort of the barbarian. There was a 1980s film. Uh, oh, what was the name of that tall... The one that was married to Sylvester Stallone. The uh, the, the really tall... Bridget Nielsen. Uh, no, Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly right. Yep. Uh, so we've got news that they're, they're doing this movie and uh, the star of it is going to be Hannah John-Kamen who was ghost... In Ant Man and the Wasp. She was the sort of um, kind of the villain, I guess. It depends on your interpretation of that movie. And yeah, she's sort of been, she's had some good roles over the past few years. She was also in um, Ready Player One. She's been uh, in, she was in Tomb Raider. And yeah, she sort of had a, a sort of, you know. And she was in that show. I can't remember the name of uh, Killjoys. Using Killjoys. Killjoys, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's sort of been on the rise uh, for a number of years. And and yeah, now she's going to have this this role as this sort of sword-swinging-wing. I never really thought of her as a—I um, don't know. I, I I guess when I picture Red Sonja, I do picture somebody maybe more like Brigitte Nielsen, sort of a, a tall, um, you know, strapping woman. I've always thought Hannah John came in as sort of smaller, but that's not to say that there isn't a way to do that in a movie. But yeah, interesting. Right. Well, Tom Cruise can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they can make Tom Cruise look, Cruise look tall.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> along the same lines, uh, even though I think uh, Gal Gadot is actually— tall she's very thin but she doesn't. Mm. She doesn't seem uh, small or frail in any way, which she plays uh, Wonder Woman. So um, hopefully they can they can do their magic there. But I am very curious. At, again, audio only medium. If you're familiar at all with the Red Sonia character, you have to wonder how are they going to do the chainmail bikini in in the modern era yeah. and have that and have that work besides being like uh, CGI man. You know, <laughs> CGI. it, it yeah. might be the most realistic thing to do. Right? Is is CGI? Otherwise, it otherwise you probably can't cover up
2: all the bits at all times well and you could make a good case for perhaps it's time to stop dressing women like that in these movies like true, true. you yeah. know yeah. as much as obviously you know they would they do in those sword and sorcery movies that they still continue to make you know they dress up dwayne the rock johnson in a in a speedo to be the the scorpion king and stuff too they can i'm sure justify that it's you know equal sexism but i it's not it really isn't it's it's kind of crazy so maybe they'll come up with something that. It's both attractive and perhaps a little less overtly ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Next up, I've got some sad news for fans of the Arrowverse. So... They are continuing to make these shows, uh, even in, in the wake of, uh, of of Arrow ending. The Flash is now the standard bearer, the longest running show, uh, as the next longest running show. And we got news this week that two of the original cast members are leaving, which is right. sad. So Carlos Valdez, who has been playing Cisco Ramon on the show since the beginning, uh, sort of very funny character. Uh, He's had, you know, uh, been just sort of a scientist. He's also been an inventor. He's also been uh, the hero known as Vibe. He is going to be leaving the show at the end of the current seventh season. Uh, So that's... Sort of sad news. I hope they give him an appropriate send off because he's been a really, really fun character and he he seems to really enjoy, you know, being in that role. And we also got news that um Tom Cavanagh, uh, who has been playing uh, many different incarnations of Harrison Wells across the series, he's played—I I can't even count uh, how many different versions across the multiverse of the same person. Uh, he kind Is of was sort of bad on the in the story, or well, no, I he. Don't... So in the beginning, he was sort of the the big bad and and hiding in the midst. That was sort of the beginning of the the story. But then later on, they sort of uh, you know found other versions of this, the real person as opposed to the, the supposed to be the, the reverse flash professor zoom character that, um, that he was sort of hiding inside of this Harrison Wells body saying later on, there's been these different across the multiverse characters that are, you know, just just gives Tom Cavanagh a new character to play every year. Uh, And it's been a lot of fun. He's, he's sort of, you know, he's played, you know, a genius. He's played a fool. He's played all sort of everything in between and, uh, you know, and across seven seasons, he kind of got, he kind of left at the end of season six, which just actually wrapped up this spring because of COVID delaying the end of season six until this year so his character is uh appears to die for the umpteenth time this version of this character of course there's different ways to bring him back and apparently he's going to be coming back at some point in the near future in the flash story and then they have not said when his final episode will be but that he's going to get an appropriate send-off so that leaves grant gustin of course the flash candace Patton is playing his wife uh daniel Pennabaker as killer frost those are sort of the last three uh, original sort of hero group. Um, although I suppose her, her dad, uh, the guy who plays Joe West is still there as well. It, um, you got to wonder if that show is kind of hitting its, it's, you know, nadir. It's time to, time to maybe, you know, call, pull the plug, but I guess it must be doing well enough if they're, they're still shelling out for Grant Gustin, who must be costing them a couple bucks now, because he will be going into his eighth. It's been renewed for an eighth season. You know, it's got to be doing well enough to justify that. So. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's nothing just, at right, you had Arrow at eight. Uh, Supergirl is ending it uh, this
2: season with the sixth season, so um, yeah, yeah, so Supergirl's gonna be over. So, I think that was part of the motivation, too, is that a lot of these shows are sort of you know supergirl's gonna end arrow's already ended they've introduced this new superman and lois series but that hasn't really taken off black lightning is ending so uh i guess they want to keep the flash around to sort of keep the audiences invested in this universe because it's really it's that and legends and and superman right now although there's you know surely there's more characters coming but i guess they want to sort of have the stability of of that lure people like the flash they want to keep coming back they want to use that to help sell the new shows speaking of new shows The news came out last week that loki oh he the god of mischief mischief himself is going to mess things up for the viewing habits of disney plus users so instead of airing on fridays as we got with one division and falcon and the winter soldier and mandalorian loki is going to air on wednesdays starting Yay. uh starting in june middle of june yeah so i gotta say i gotta say
1: i'm, I'm loving that idea because I, you know everything comes out on friday these days it seems right like across
2: all the networks and it's annoying Well, and it makes sense that, you know, obviously they have their algorithms, they understand it, they understand the landscape better than any of us do. They must be able to look at it and know that there's a gap there that they can fill in the way they want to fill it. I don't don't know if I like it more or less. I like the water cooler nature of what Disney Plus has been over the last year plus. I like that it's a conversation. What's a water cooler? Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, virtual water cooler. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that it's something that you watch and you talk about whether that's online or with your friends or however, I like the fact that it's it's a show that you want to get into. And one of the challenges is that if you watch it on a Friday, you know, you do come back to, you know, the virtual office on Monday and you do talk about it, but it's not that immediate gratifying kind of thing. Whereas on a Wednesday, it does sort of give you, you know, oh my gosh, did you see the show last night and whatever else? But then it also kind of feels like it's it's doing the same thing. It's putting the pressure on you to watch it because chances are the people who are way into this are going to watch it the day of, and so you have to—it becomes a point of viewing. Like, you kind of have to make the effort to watch it day of, or you have to stay away from the internet and or your friends. True, but we have that with cable TV now, right, still to this day. Like, we still have shows that are on specific days. It's true, but less so. I mean, you know, and again, we've talked, obviously, a lot on this show about— the models of you know dropping all your episodes at once doling them out one at a time how those things sort of you know make sense or don't make sense i don't yeah. feel pressured to watch if if i was having a busy day on a friday and i was work and then i had other yeah. stuff to do and i didn't get to watching mandalorian or one division or whatever other disney plus show on a friday and i watched it on saturday i feel like i won't get spoiled and i feel like i won't be missing out on the conversation Whereas if I don't watch it on a Wednesday and it comes out on a Wednesday, I feel like there's a good chance that because it's in the middle of the week, I would be missing the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, it makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting to see
0: how they're changing it up a little bit. So after having a bunch of stuff come out on Fridays, you've got Bad Batch on Tuesdays, which granted, it's a it's a different kind of show. Tuesdays. Tuesdays, right?
2: Well, Tuesday was the premiere, but I think it's about back on Fridays. Oh, now. is it?
0: Okay, see there. <laughs> Wait, so we're not getting one the 14th. Uh, okay, okay. I'll keep that in mind so
2: I don't get angry. <laughs> yeah, like... I think the first episode came out on may the 4th and then the second episode came out last friday right
0: yeah
2: Yeah. so i think it's i think it was just the debut the longer the double episode came out on the first on on may the 4th and then after that it's back to fridays i see i see Mm.
0: so then this is the first one to to i guess regularly change it to a different day
2: yeah yeah and i i looked to sort of see is oh is that just for like a one-off and i said no the entire run's going to be on wednesdays so i do like the idea though that it's like you know god of. i think you should lean into the god of mischief thing and just like change it every single week and just mess people's yeah. minds up <laughs> <laughs> like, Well, eh, loki's mischievous i know what to tell you folks might be on a tuesday next week stay tuned
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that'll mess up the downloaders too right yeah no doubt no doubt you could put up you could put up fake fake episodes like
2: <laughs> <laughs> that that hasn't happened before um, all right, got cool. some other good news here. So, I don't know if either of you are like I am a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, but this show has more lives than a litter full of cats. So you know, it, it premiered in the early 1990s, and it sort of had a bunch of kicks at the can as these different iterations. The most recent one was it was brought back on Netflix. Patton Oswalt was in it, and it was, um, and, and Jonah Ray was the star. And it's sort of come and gone, and come and gone, and come and gone. It got canceled from Netflix, and people were sort of saying, "Well, now, now what for this beloved cult thing?" And so they decided to kick it off. So Joel Hodgson, the the original creator, kicked off a Kickstarter campaign to try and raise five and a half million bucks to do another season. And not only did he get his five and a half, he got six and a half out of a Kickstarter. And so he's bringing it back, but it seems like what they're going to do is bring it back. Uh, they haven't. It's not aligned to a network, so whether or not it's going to be an online thing, how they're going to distribute, it, that part is unclear, but they're going to do 13 episodes, they're going to do a holiday episode, they're going to do a Halloween episode, they're going to do... Uh, all kinds of stuff, and for the first time since 1993, Hodgson himself is going to come back on the Satellite of Love and do a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And there's talk that uh, Jay Elvis Weinstein, who played uh, the original voice of Tom Servo, and maybe, maybe even Trace Beaulieu, who played Crow, might come back. So the original gang will get back together and do some stuff in there. So this is really cool. I mean, as a fan, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. That'll be cool.
0: That's on Gizmo. Complex,
2: huh yes okay. yeah and that's the thing that they just sort of kicked off right they, they're going to do this online portal it says they're going to have new episodes classic episodes and and events and all kinds of stuff in there it says they're actually going to do a 3d episode with like the red and blue cardboard glasses at, at one point in this season hmm. so again interesting and i'm glad it's i'm glad it's going to continue it deserves to continue it is an institution now that's been around for almost 30 years if you can believe it and i'm glad that it's got yet another life in its fourth different iteration and last on my list we got a really cool trailer drop today venom 2 Wait, I haven't seen Venom one yet. Well, we can discuss the merits of of that in in, in detail. But yeah, it's um, it is called Venom. Let there be Carnage. The first trailer dropped today, and it's uh, bringing back Tom Hardy as the titular Venom, right? And Woody Harrelson as his nemesis, Carnage, another human being who is possessed by a symbiotic alien. Uh, that is even more monstrous, if you can believe it, than than the original. And it uh, is is very much like the last one. It looks like it's a mix of sort of uh, horror, superhero, and uh, humor, all sort of blended into one. Dark humor, granted, but the first movie was it was okay. I, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I had did not go see it in the theater. I did not want to commit to that level of of investment. But I did watch it on. Uh, I think maybe Netflix or somebody had it on and I watched it and uh, and I watched it with number one fan and, and you know, it, it blew up fine. It wasn't high art, but it was OK. But this one having this, you know, iconic villain in the mix and Woody Harrelson is a fine actor, too. So, you know, he looks like in the trailer like he is just chewing up the scenery and spitting it out. But I think it could be it could be one of those, you know, grab the bag of popcorn kind of movies. I, Again, yeah, I do not think this will ever be high R they certainly are not as um well put together as a standard marvel film this is of course the sony arm of the marvel universe that is still controlling spider-man and his associated characters Mm -hmm. at least until disney buys sony and so (laughs) i think it could be i think again i I don't i don't expect it to be high art i expect it in fact in fact to be kind of stupid at times but i still think it's going to be an enjoyable watch agreed how about you jaime i want to know what jaime thinks of this one you you, you've got to have an opinion on this one i
0: think i probably enjoyed venom a little bit more than you did um it it does have uh flaws um i did think it was enjoyable overall so i was looking forward to to this sequel here so i'll I'll definitely be watching this one
2: does the trailer live up to the to the expectation so far
0: yeah although I'm, i'm having a little bit of trouble discerning exactly how this will be different than um than what we saw at the end of the first film which uh, you know the the hot symbiote on symbiote action is was sort yeah. of already there, so I'm like, okay. Is this more of the same, or do you have some new twist here that isn't necessarily explained in the trailer um, that they can take it to that next level? That that would think, to me, will be probably the biggest challenge.
2: Yeah, I feel like they did. That was one of the things that I kind of didn't enjoy about that, was that I feel like they kind of shot their shot a little bit with using Rizomed as as a different symbiote infested character, because it does. I mean, I, I don't know, Jaime, if you've read many of the Venom comics over the years, but that seems to be what they go back to again and again and again. Yeah, it's one of the one of the reasons why. As much as I enjoy some of the stories, it is not a book that I've collected regularly because to me, that's kind of the deal. He's, he straddles the line between good and evil. He ends up fighting a lot of other people who also have symbiotes. And it, to me, it just feels like it's just a little worn. Now, I'm I'm probably oversimplifying it. I'm sure there are better stories that I have not read and, you know, I'm, I'm reducing it. Uh, but to me, it just feels like there has got to do something else. Like, I would have been way more excited if they were like, dude starts a fight with Spider-Man. Like, okay, I'm in. Let's go. Where are we going? Okay. Well,
1: I guess are we here now? We're here at the point where we're going to talk about the uh, two things: Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and um, yeah. so Now that it's wrapped up, um, six episodes, I think we we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to eight or whatever it was for Wanda Vision.
2: Nine, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So, um, yeah. What do you think? I
0: mean, I'll, I'll start off maybe with um, comparing it to Wanda Vision in terms of theme, and I, I think we might have mentioned this in a different episode before uh, that we suspected it was this. Uh, now I could confirm. This. So one division was about um grief and loss and coming to terms mm-hmm. with that. And the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was all about legacy. And the three different characters who deal with legacy all deal with the different aspects of it. So you have uh, Sam the Falcon who hesitates to take on the legacy of Captain America, right? He, he doesn't want to have that that uh, burden on him. You have uh Bucky the Winter Soldier who has you know the the terrible actions he took as the the Winter Soldier as the legacy that he wants to get rid of or that he doesn't really want to face or he just wishes it was gone. And then you have um, John Walker, the new Captain America, who very desperately wants that legacy, right? Like he feels like he has, has earned his way into it, that it is uh, something he's entitled to. And that, you know, theme of legacy is interwoven through all of these different characters and their interactions with the rest of the surrounding plot and characters.
2: Yeah, but then then it plays out. Out. And in some ways, plays out really, really well. Some of the ways that they that they deal with this, I thought the way that they dealt with Anthony Mackey's conflict about being Black in America and about the legacy that he discovers about, you know, the the origins of Captain America and the Super Soldier's Serum and everything else, I thought some of that was incredibly, beautifully, poignantly dealt with. And then some of it was a little clunky. Agreed. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought the Anthony Mackie portion of the series where he's he sort of turns his back on the legacy of, of Steve Rogers and he gives the shield away and he. Is sort of comfortable with, you know, who he is and the, the niche he's carved out, but then realizes that he does have more responsibility to bear and that he has to do this, this, you know, to, to become this next level of himself and, and take on this mantle, even though he knows how hard it's going to be on himself. I mean, he's really, he's doing the Jackie Robinson, right? He's doing the, I know I'm going to get bombarded for being this, for being, you know, Captain America and being black but I will wear this because somebody needs to wear this. And I thought that that was really beautiful and poignant and, and some of the ways that he talked and then the writing I thought was really quite well done on this show, yeah, as, as was at Anthony Mackie's performance. Uh, was really really good and really really interesting then we come to the Sebastian Stan Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier slash White Wolf slash gosh knows what they're going to call him next part of the story which I didn't feel was nearly as well done there was this sort of well he he's still dealing with the problems of his past he's not you know he's not the you know murdering thug anymore but he has to live with the ramifications of what he's done and then he has a couple of little breakdowns about the fact that you know well you know you know what is what is steve roger's legacy mean for him what is he without cap what is he now that he's no longer this killing machine it to me it didn't resolve as well and it didn't feel like it landed as well to me and then as you say we got this this interesting new wrinkle in there with wyatt russell as, as john walker the captain america part two And you're right, like he was really interesting in that he he just desperately wanted it. But not only that, he felt like he deserved it and that he was the sort of right man for the job and the whole bit. And, you know, he got a lot of flack for his his character being sort of, a you know, standing in the way of, of progress. We all wanted to see whether it was going to be Bucky or whether it was going to be. Uh, a falcon as taking over the mantle of Captain America. Everyone assumed that something was going to give there. Uh, you know, I thought he was actually a pretty good in that he was both intermittently likable and unlikable. Um, I thought he was an excellent uh, avatar for America in that way. Frankly, Jaime, and I say that with love and respect for our neighbors. <laughs> but he kind of reminded me <laughs> of our, America, our drunk he, Uncle Neighbors. Yeah, yep. he was he was brash and boorish, but also extremely charming and likable, and the he you know was intermittently uh, a defender and a bully that to me summed up america in a perfect little little <laughs> <laughs> seriously like where am i wrong I, I thought he was i thought he was really in the same way that we were supposed to see america through sam's eyes and also through um the eyes of um oh it was the the actor who played um uh the other dude the other dude who's the other dude you mean the older the older soldier yes that, yes 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 um we were supposed to sort of see america through the eyes of the black experience through those characters Yeah. i mean
1: the whole the whole this will never happen it'll never come to be kind of yeah attitude. well and, and just yeah. they
2: don't want us to be this right like that was right, the sort yeah, of message was yeah. like they'll never accept us as this you know and and i and i thought that was really you know both poignant and true i think uh, Carl Lumley is the name I was fishing for. Isaiah Bradley was the character. Carl Lumley was the actor. F- wonderful performance by him in this series. I, I apologize for not remembering r- his name off the hop. But, um, but I thought the John Walker character was, you know, the perfect prism of, like, white entitlement in that same way, right? Like, he was, yeah. you know, well, I deserve this. He was American yeah. exceptionalism. He was... You know, well, of course I deserve to be Captain America. Look at me, you know, and you know I've got the chiseled jaw, and I've got you know the the you know purple hearts and the whole nine yards. Oh, okay, well, did you really earn it? Like I, I thought that was some some interesting layers to this show that made it more than just you know pew 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 and punch punch punch. But I think you know. His arc was a little unsatisfying if, and a little predictable. I thought the, 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 the character of Carly Morgenthau, which was Aaron Kellyman, was again a bit of a one-note villain that you know spoiler alert one two three four five you know in typical marvel fashion is is wiped out by the end of the series mm-hmm. y- you know there was there was a lot to like about this series but there was also it kind of went over some well-worn territory too so i don't know i in the end i think i enjoyed it i mean sorry and i haven't even mentioned like daniel Brühl as helmet zemo coming back mm-hmm. stole every scene he was in was incredibly ch- charming funny goofy uh, interesting the way he plays that character is really interesting i really hope they find another way for him to come back and i i think they're telegraphing a little bit of a, a potential comic related outcome for him that has been told so that we you know we we'll get too far into spoilers but i'll just say the word thunderbolts i think you know that there's that there. they brought in the the they brought back sharon carter as uh, so, Emily Van Camp is Sheridan Carter, Canadian, and she, uh, you know, she sort of had this weird. Story where she was left behind and wasn't given the pardon that everybody else got after Civil War when, you know, Cap came back. So then you're like, so Cap just forgot about her. So that was a weirdly flawed kind of story arc, too. And then, of course, it turns out that she's, again, spoiler alert, she's the power broker. She's this sort of, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, black mask behind the scene. And, you know, of course, people immediately assume, well, maybe that's not really her. Maybe this is tied into the secret invasion thing that they're doing as a as part of the Disney Plus stuff maybe she's a scroll in disguise maybe there's a another thing that's you know the shoe that's waiting to drop maybe she's a triple agent they also brought in uh, Julie, Julia Louis Dreyfus as um, Valentina Allegra yeah. de Fontaine, who's, if again for comic fans, very familiar. She was also a triple agent. She was involved with Nick Fury at one point. She is um, a former Hydra. She's also this another uh, another agency, I think Russian called Leviathan that I think she was involved with. So they're sort of setting up a lot of stuff in here that I'm sure it'll pay off down the road. You know, I remember watching Avengers Age of Ultron and thinking like there's probably a decent movie in here somewhere, but they're so busy setting up five other <laughs> yeah. movies yeah. that I just can't enjoy this movie. But I've gone back since we've gotten to the end of the last phase of the Marvel Universe and watched not all the movies, but enough of them in sequence to sort of go back and watch that one and, and have a more of an appreciation for it because it is connective tissue that's valuable. Still not a great movie on its own, but it's kind of important for threading all these needles. And I feel like that's maybe where we ended up on this one, was this needed to set up, it needed to set up uh, the arc of Sam coming to grips with being this hero. It needed to come to bringing Bucky back to making peace with his past. It needed to set up uh, John Walker as the U.S. agent. It needed to set up uh, you know all these sort of things that are going to pay off down the road of course you know the the power broker thing with with Sharon Carter the 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 Val um you know, storyline with Julie Lee Dreyfus. It, it, it feels to me like this was a lot more about stage setting than actual being its own self-contained series. And, and to me, that just felt maybe less satisfying than WandaVision was in that way. All of this to say, I thought it was great. I did enjoy it. I thought the action scenes were really good. I did enjoy it very much. I don't want to seem like I'm always coming down on these things. I just think it's, it doesn't hold together quite as well.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, like, like it was short in that sense. I mean, you, you kind of got to episode six real quick, and and like you know, coming at it from a person from perspective, of someone who doesn't know all the characters in the universe, right? Um, I'm looking at the Julie Julie, Julie, Julie Louise Dreyfus character, going, why is she even in this show? Like, to to you make the point that she she connects to sort of future properties, right? Mm. But um, and you know, the, even the what was the, the the good the good bad people? I mean, um, you know, the the red haired girl, I've forgotten the character or the the, the oh, role. Oh, Carly Morgan
2: Oh, yeah, she's.
1: They were sort of um, the flag you know, smashers. They were, yeah, they were. They were supposed like init- initially bad, but then they are righteous, and that was a bit confusing, especially in a short, sort of short run like that, right? And then, and you know, then then you get like Captain America losing it and killing a guy with the shield, mm-hmm. spoilers, and um, and then you know, and yet at the end of it, everybody's patting him on the back, going, "Good job!" Like what? Well, you know? they are and they
2: aren't. <laughs> I mean, he has his real fall from grace moment. Where they they does, strip yeah. him in the whole nine yards, and then he goes, you know, get, goes to Home Depot, gets some parts, builds himself a shield, and jumps back into the yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Eh. And like, and Bucky and Captain or Bucky and the Falcon are like, oh, hey, yeah, come and give us a hand, you know, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, remember we saw you before? We had to, like, you know, break your, your arm in Andrea, order to get exactly. the shield away from you and stop you from going on a bloody rampage. Now we're cool.
1: Yeah. So, so those kind of like conflicting, I mean, but, I you know, the whole. You know, i think we talked about this before that, that like you know you watch these movies um and and actually we can talk about it in, in invincible because they do sort of cover this thing off about the collateral damage that these mm. superheroes do to the, the neighborhood mm-hmm. you know um yeah they rescue the school bus but they destroy like the side of a building at the same time you know or you know i think in i think in invincible one of the buildings falls over even right? like sort of like a nine eleven kind of deal right mm. um you know they don't discuss the sort of other people that suffer or die, or you know, get mortally wounded, and you know, end up going on disability and things like that. You know, like in the future, right? Um, I, well, I guess they do. They do sort of. They, there are characters in in that, that do come up. Like the, I think the guy in, in Iron Man Two was a bit of a disgruntled. You know, person that uh, the, you know the Nick Nolte character, right? He was a little out of sorts because of what happened to him in the past. And you know, you you get that in the in the uh, the Glass series with um, you know with uh, Bruce Willis and and uh, Samuel Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you get that sort of disgruntled you know anti-hero kind of stuff that happens right i don't know it's, it's sort of i mean that's i guess it's that's sort of the uh, the whole idea behind comic books like you say you can always resurrect people and, and they can always you know have a uh, what do you call it when they turn turn around and become good people and you know oh, yeah
2: it's a redemption arc you can get a redemption, redemption arc yeah. but you can also get yeah, a heel yeah. turn too like we got with sharon carter here right where she's like right you're expecting her to be on their side and oh but she's got her own agenda
1: oh. yeah and, and then that, that was kind of a i mean it's it, I mean, it was okay to understand that, but I mean, like, where does she end up in the end of the story? Is she now on the side of bad now because she's, you know... Well, power at the end power of this, Broker, at the end of this
2: run, she's on their on her cell phone outside of Capitol Hill, basically saying, "You know, I didn't get the Super mm. Soldier Serum, but I'm I'm inside the halls of power now, so we'll, we'll get all kinds of other stuff out of this. Yeah, yeah, I, equipment
0: I, and plans and other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we get those Death Star plans no matter what.
2: <laughs> How about you, Jaime? What uh, would you make of all this?
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I generally liked it. Um, I think it's less special than Wandavision because it's a little bit more straightforward. I do agree mm-hmm. that it feels. Um, more more like connective tissue for other, other movies, other series. And WandaVision, I mean, clearly does set up some other things, right? We're, we're leading into the multiverse of madness for Dr. Strange. We're leading into uh, the marvels for, um, you know, the movies and stuff. So um, I I did think it was kind of interesting how this one suffered a little bit from that sort of planning in that this came out prior to the black widow movie, which supposedly is where uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus is, um, Um, Lady Hydra character was supposed to have been introduced so that it's a callback when you see her here, when she's anointing John John Walker as the new uh, TS agent, right? (laughs) Yelling at you for putting your shoes in the wrong box (laughs) as you go to the
2: airport. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing. You don't really know how these plans have gone east-west, north-south, based on the pandemic and everything else. You're right. I mean, the idea was that this was supposed to come, this was supposed to be the first Disney Plus Marvel series. So Black Widow was supposed to come out last year. This was supposed to then come out and then WandaVision. So, you know, it was supposed to sort of have this different order of things. And I guess that's, you know, they were, they're already mixing things up, which in in turn could lead to us all being as fans mixed up. So maybe when it's all said and done and all these things are all interconnected and it all makes sense, it'll all make sense. But right now it all seems a little disjointed and confusing.
1: Well, and people do watch the movies out of order or they go back and watch. I mean, like I didn't watch any. Ant-Man until after it was necessary to watch Ant-Man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I, and I know, you know, many people come to these, these sort of stories out of, out of order, Um. you know, so, and, and just on the point of Vision, she's got some explaining to do too, right? Like, cause you know, she let that whole town that she kind of invented or took over, and, you know, hypnotized and whatever as a Scarlet Witch, right? She, mm-hmm. you know, she can't just, you know, get away with that as it were, right? Although in, in these kind of universes they, they tend to do, right? Wow. Oh, as long as you help us kill those aliens that are trying to take over our planet, we'll forgive you for the smashing half of the neighborhood up, right?
2: So. But on the flip side of that, I think I think there actually was a deliberate intention in WandaVision to to have her straddling that line between good and bad. I think they yeah. want her to be a bit more of an ambivalent to the good and the evil kind of thing, because I think that'll make her a more interesting character when they get to the, the multiverse of madness. Her motivation is I want my husband back, I want my kids back, I want my life back, and I'm powerful enough to, to figure out how to do those things. Right. Which well, put- is
1: probably enough to do it
2: without even thinking about it. Well, and that'll put her at odds with the heroes, right? So then then she's she, in her mind, is a hero. She's trying to do what she thinks is right, but everyone else will think is wrong, and that's what makes great uh, antagonists, right?
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I think that's maybe a good spot to sort of jump into Invincible. Have you seen all of Invincible, Jaime? I forgot. Yes, to I,
2: I, I,
0: I finished the yeah, finale. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So, I mean, and Invincible is kind of interesting too because it, 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 you know, for those of us, I mean, I don't know if Jonathan knew about these characters before, but you know, read the me, entire series brand, from the beginning. Well, they're all brand new to me, and I don't know about Jaime, but you know, and. And it starts off with you know like I, like we men- I mentioned last time there's a lot of red ink in this, this, uh, this yeah. series right um, and it does cover like it does sort of cover the sort of uh, other side of being superheroes and that you know they have, they have family problems they have relationship problems you know the, the son wants to be like the dad which may not be a good idea you know in the long run and you know and then you have the, the Seth Brogan character or Seth uh, what's his name the character coming from out space who's like comes to the wrong place oh, no yeah
2: Alan the alien Seth Rogen yeah uh,
1: they the and he comes in the, in the back sort of to sort of you know be a guide to sort of the 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 Sam the Sam uh, what's his name character from uh, Big Lebowski who's narrating the story mm-hmm. um, but yeah he um, Sam Shepard but uh, he um, you know it's an interesting interesting story because they, they sort of it's the sort of the other side of you know the, they smash up the town and then you know, the 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 townspeople go but you broke everything and doing that kind of thing right so that that it's, it has an interesting thing and then of course as the government you know the government dudes are trying to control the whole narrative as well and uh with the what's his Goggins uh, what's his name again Goggins uh character. oh Walt, Walt
2: Goggins is uh, Cecil yeah. Steadman.
1: yeah he you know they're, they're they're trying to control and 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 do this kind of stuff and and um how the story kind of evolves you know that that the young son discovers he has got power and then he finds that he's you know from another planet like his like his dad um, what's his name? Omni Man. Omni Man, yes. Omni Man, sort of the, the, the most powerful guy on Earth, kind of thing. Yeah, the, um, the superman these, avatar. Yeah, yeah, and all these, all these other, you know, kids who some kids have power. He finds out the girl at high school, you know, he he knows this one girl at high school who turns out to also be in league with the, with the other people, right? And um, yeah, interesting story. I don't, I don't want to start getting into the spoilers until until we sort of dive into it. But that's sort of my impression. I, you know, it's not my. This normally is not my cup of tea to watch uh you know an animated piece like this although i used to watch animated stuff all the time as a kid but i haven't as an adult sat down and, and sort of consumed a series like this but it, but then again it was unlike anything it was very sort of similar to um uh, the watchman kind of idea right yeah
2: but i think you nailed it tim i think this is yeah. not a kid's cartoon this is an adult series that just happens to be animated like there's this, i wouldn't show this to a child they'd be traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah especially because it starts out mostly kind of normal like you
0: could watch the first like seven eighths of the first episode yeah and be like oh yep. yeah it's pretty normal you know batman superman and then it just goes well off the deep end you're like whoa what just mm-hmm. happened is is this the boys in animated form like it it's is got that that's same a great kind analogy thing. yeah
2: yeah Yeah, no, it 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 definitely, and and the series has always been that it was a bit more of a slow burn in the comic. I did, uh, I was lucky enough to be uh, reviewing books back in the day when this first came out before anybody but but me knew who Robert Kirkman was. Uh, You know, Invincible came out, and I and I loved it. It was to me, it was very much uh, somebody who loved comics taking some of the archetypes that we're familiar with. You know, Mark Grayson is very much the sort of Peter Parker. You know, he has a normal life. He's got a girl. He's got troubles, he's got friends, he's got a life, he wants to do well, but he's not always good at it. To me, it captured a lot of those kind of elements. It paired them with, you know, the, the Superman esque archetype of, of Omni Man. It has a sort of a Justice League kind of uh, function in there. You know it's got sort of a shield organization you know in in what Cecil's running there there are a lot of archetypes that sort of overlapped there and 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 I thought it was a really compelling book and the the story of the first sort of years worth of, of that storyline takes you through a lot of the stuff that we saw here some of that stuff has been moved around in order and, and and some of it's been taken out but a lot of it is pretty pretty close to the pretty faithful to the comics the storyline the the twist that they did here which i thought was a very smart one was uh they moved the conflict the the sort of the starting conflict between omni-man and the guardians of the globe up to the first episode and the comic doesn't happen until a few episodes a few issues in and then the end of the first years worth of books culminates in the in the you can call it a fight it's not really a fight the the ass whip and he delivers on on invincible the I thought the fact that they moved that up to the first part so that you're exactly right. You get this like, oh, it's this really charming show about this kid who discovers he's got powers and how he's trying to live up to his father's legacy and all these sort of things. And you think you got the show figured out. And then they throw you this curveball of, oh, not only did this guy just like go off, but he just. So like, wait, should we have gone like five minutes ago and said spoilers? <laughs> I can, can edit a in. chapter, but just. It's like spoilers. Yeah,
0: okay, right. section. Now. Spoilers! Yeah, okay. Spoil- five right. minutes
2: ago, spoilers folks. I right. mean, but yeah, to get into that point, you know, you get this real kicker off the top of, of Superman kills the justice league. And you are both thinking like, what, why? Because you don't know how or, like how this came to happen. Do,
1: do we, are we supposed to, I mean, you read the book, but are we supposed to know, like I didn't, it wasn't very clear that he, I know he was involved in the fight and he didn't come out, you know, well, but were we supposed to know that it was him? Because we don't, you don't see it. It's sort of like the, the Quentin Tarantino kind of thing where they don't show the gun going off, but you hear the sound and you see the blood kind of deal, right?
2: Well, and they do a good job. It's sort of he, all off camera, His right? hands are kind yeah. of covered in blood, but uh, no, it's, it's pretty clear. I think if you go back and watch, it's pretty clear that it is Nolan is the one who's doing it. What you don't know through that whole fight is because he's not talking; he's not telling them they're his master plan. He is there just to kill them, and I thought that was beautifully executed. Because oh, see, that's
1: what I'm saying. I didn't get that. I didn't. It wasn't clear to me that he was the killer in that in that scenario. Really? Right?
2: Okay. I, I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was okay. What
1: did you, you think, Jaime? Did you did you know the story before? He I, I did not,
0: but I, I think coming at it from the angle I think you're coming at it from, it's hard to tell is, is, uh, cause there's no context, right? It's just, oh, so is he, is yeah, he mind like controlled and, 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 and yeah. he's, you know, yeah. still a good guy, but yeah, you know, okay. somebody's taking over him and he's killing the good guys? Are, are the guardians actually the secret bad guys and he's just coming in mm-hmm. to, to right. take them out? Uh, and we just you don't know, know the yeah. plan. Yeah. Like it, it's hard to tell what's going on there. Um, like it, he um, like, very clearly kills them. Like there's no doubt about that. It's just unclear that oh, okay. the, the, the reason in, yeah, maybe why. I wasn't really paying attention or something. Yeah. But that's okay.
2: what sets it up so beautifully, I think is that you you get this sort of very uh almost nostalgic comic story you know this father son story this troubled kid who's discovering his powers story and then it's flipped on its ear by this incredible violent outburst at the end of the first episode that leaves you with so many questions and then it sort of slow burns in the background because even though the the part of the arc of this first season is mark and him coming into his powers and learning the ropes and everything. Else, you don't know whether or not you can believe anything that's coming out of his father's mouth through the whole season. And there's this sort of investigation that's happening. His his wife's looking into it. The, uh, Damon Darkblood is looking into it. And you're still not sure. Like, is is he to blame? Did he do it, Did he do it on purpose? Was he mind controlled? Is oh, was you it know, when is it somebody in an Omni Man suit? Can yeah, yeah like what's yeah, was it like a shapeshifter? Like you just don't know what has actually happened there. And then as it sort of plays out and you start to realize no this was actually the thing that we thought it was and it's going to come to a head and you start seeing the inevitable collision that's going to come between mark and his dad and you realize like how torturous that's going to be in both literally and figuratively it uh it's a hell of a payoff it's a hell of a payoff that last episode is i mean you're right tim like i mean that's a bucket a bucket and a half of blood you know like When when Omni-Man is trying to prove to him, like, you should stop fighting for these people, they're worthless. Look how easy it is to kill them. And just goes to Chicago and starts, like, knocking over buildings and deliberately trying to show Mark the error of what he perceives as the error of his ways, his weakness. You know, when he holds him in front of the train car and has six train cars with the people turned to gush in front of him, it's really, really jarring. But then it juxtaposes with that moment when Mark is just totally beaten with his teeth keeps lying around him. Can barely speak and his father says, you know, you, what, you know, what would you have at the end of 500 years of this worthless existence? And he says, I, I still have you, dad, and he still loves his father and he still has that moment. Just delivers so beautifully and poignantly in that in that ending too. Just hits you right in the feels. And yeah, I thought I thought it really I, I thought it was really 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 well done. Like this is one of the best adaptations, both most faithful and also most uh just true to the to the way the comic came together in that you know it's complex it's really really complex it's really thoughtful you know it uses violence in a very graphic way but in a very effective way as a very traumatizing thing its characters don't shy away from it and, and feeling the impact of it again, the episode where where Mark flies the the woman who's hurt in one of the alien invasion battles, and he flies her to the hospital, and he's there with her, and then she dies. Like you feel that with him. Like I thought that so much of this was really well done and very very evocative. Um, I, it, I don't say this often <laughs> but i love this show <laughs> really wow i loved it i thought it was great and so- i mean beyond the fact that i thought it was very faithful both in its art style and its feelings from the books but i mean killer cast killer cast probably the best cast in an animated thing ever i mean you had academy award nominee stephen Yun as the as mark you had Sandra O oh as as Debbie. You had J.K. Simmons, Oscar winner, as as Nolan. You had Gillian Jacobs as as Adam Eve. You had you know Andrew Rannells as as William, his best friend. You had Walt Goggins. You had uh zachary kinto as as the robot you had jason Manzukis. you had you know like and then they Zazzy beats as, as amber his girlfriend like like mark hamill in like a bit part they had john ham as like some random security guard in the first episode for like you know two lines like this is crazy how good this was and I love that he cast... This was the, the funniest part. I don't know if you guys saw this. So the Guardians of the Globe were all voiced by characters from The Walking Dead who he'd killed off. <laughs> <laughs> really?
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say that for the people who may not know that Kirk Kirkman is also the creator of Walking Dead. I wanted to know, like, when did, when did in terms of his writing career, which came first,
2: Invincible or Walking Dead? Walking Dead came out about six months before. But okay. both books within six months of each other. And it's funny because I was, I was just just starting to get into developing a relationship with with Image. They were starting to send me some books. So I think I started reading Invincible maybe... five issues in I think five issues in um, and I and I dug it completely and when the first the very first collected edition came out I reviewed it for the the paper I was working for at the time and said like this is really cool you guys should check this out and same thing with Walking Dead I think I, I didn't get into Walking Dead till it was maybe nine or ten issues in but then went back and was like oh this is a really fresh take on this this stuff everyone should jump on board and uh, I wish I had been as smart as I thought I was in the moment because what i didn't do was run out and buy the number one issues for those books because they're worth a fortune now right okay um and unfortunately i I do have a healthy collection of both of those books but i do not have the the number ones for either one and i boy i wish i did Mm, right yeah um what uh sorry Jaime. go ahead well uh, as i mentioned to you to you find
0: gents in our uh in our dms i said it is uh, amazing seeing all of the different memes from uh from the the mark and wonder man fight uh, omni-man fight with the uh, think mark think uh as he's standing over him <laughs> that people have just like redrawn like traced over other characters i've seen um i've seen hank hill standing over bobby hill <laughs> <and> <laughs> i've seen a bazillion different ones that are just a uh, varying uh, quality but it, you know this is something we didn't talk about with any of the series here but but internet memes kind of tells you sort of how much did this get into people's psyche right so with wandavision the meme you see all the time is uh, Agatha winking the, the really big, obvious, yeah. like, you know, 70s neighbor wink. Um, uh, certainly Baron Zemo had the the, the dancing, you know, uh, in the yeah. club one. And he also had the one with Sam where uh, they're in the plane and he's saying uh, something about... Um, I can't remember which which song it is and it's like kind of racially racially uh tinged as a statement and sam's like he's out of line but he's right and people would just like yeah use that meme for like a billion things it's kind of interesting to see
2: yeah i think he was talking about the marvin gay album right he was talking about uh what's going on right
0: yeah and he was making right. a really weird uh, racially uh you know tinged statement about how it like captures the african american experience yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sounds like he's out
2: of line but but he's right but he's right (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It yeah, I, again, right. I, th- I thought this was a terrific first season. They've already announced it's been renewed for season two and three. So that's mm. good that we they were going to carry it over. I thought it was interesting because the way they buttonhooked this first season was basically, you know, Omni-Man has a sort of change of heart, realizes that he can't kill his son and start again the way that he t- he bragged he could, and takes off into deep space. And then we have Alan the alien show up. The, the Seth Rogen-voiced character shows up and talks to Mark and basically says, you know, this has never happened before. The Viltrumites, you know, are merciless. I don't know how you, how why he showed you mercy or how that worked. And then you get sort of this glimpse of all these. He's like, "Well, so what are you going to do now?" He's like, oh, "Well, I guess I'm going to go back to high school." And then they show you all these sort of glimpses of other storylines to come. So you could have finished that season if there wasn't renewed. If they if they ended it there, it would basically just be like, "Well, he survived, and you know, he assumed we assume he goes on other adventures." But now they've set the set the table for some really really cool storylines. Some of the stuff they teased in there was like straight out of the comics and some really, really cool stories to come. So it's neat that they're gonna get at least a couple more seasons. I suspect they might even get more than that down the road because it is it's a really good book and it, it actually stays sustained its level of quality for a very long time like long after i stopped professionally reviewing books i was still buying that book even in a time where i was not really interested in monthly books as much as more reading collected editions and sort of shying away from from monthly books i was still buying it every month because i just wanted to see what what kirkman was going to come up with next for that character
1: all right, should we move on to our watch list now? Sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. So in my watch list, so we had an episode last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, So, we had a previous episode we talked about Firefly. Tammy, you know, finally got around to watching it. Um, and, and the subject of Deadwood came up. And of course, I have never seen Deadwood or had never seen Deadwood. I have now consumed all of three seasons of Deadwood and the movie. Um, and so here's my quick uh, review of Deadwood. I mean, it was an interesting take on it. I found the, the theme song reminded me too much of, of uh, Firefly so I had to skip past it every time I heard it and um, a couple of interesting things came out of it by the middle but I guess two or three episodes into the second season I was done with the swearing like okay, I get it <laughs> um, you know and I can tell you that that I, I did go and check and see why like I wanted to go and see what did they drop F-bombs back then apparently they, they didn't they would have said things like gosh darn and dag nabbit and and uh, the creator. The show didn't feel that you know the modern audience would really appreciate the the significance of 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 those words in terms of what they meant, which is why he substituted in the modern take on f bombs and mfs and you know yep. all the c words that that you could imagine the male and female c words. Um, and um, so so that was interesting. Uh, it kind, they kind of softened it a bit, I think, in in this in, around the third season. The movie was um, I think I think the movie only works if you wait twenty years before you watch it um because or however long it was because they did a lot of recapping from the the, the third season in the movie mm. um and uh, have you seen the movie either of you too no i wanted
2: it's- to go back and rewatch because i was a huge deadwood fan back when it was originally on and i watched it and i loved it and i've watched the whole thing twice but it had been a number of years so i'd intended to watch the the series over again before i got back into the movie yeah
1: so the movie is very fan servicey right mm. like you know uh they bring back the, the the main nemesis, um, who in in real life is it's uh, it's um, um, Charles Charles Hurst, I think his name is Major Dad. He's the sorry Major Dad. Yeah, he's um, he's the I mean he basically is um, what's his name uh, the big the Hurst guy that the movie yeah. um, is about. Uh, what's it called uh, Rosebud? Um, what's that called? What Citizen, called? Kane. Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane? Or, Citizen Kane. Yeah, he's the it, all, he I mean he in real life he did actually. Come to deadwood i mean it's interesting a lot of the characters that are in the mood in in the story actually did come and spend time in deadwood like for instance calamity jane was in deadwood but she wasn't there quite as long as as uh as you know they depict her in the story but mm. um like she you know she wasn't there for three seasons in other words right and and uh, it is famously the place where you know um while bill H- 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 hickok is killed mm. um in the first series spoilers for those you haven't seen it but it was a long time ago um so yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of interesting things about, that, about how that sort of all dovetailed in. And then the one thing is like a couple of nice little things I thought were really cool in in the IMDb is is the son gets killed by the horse, right? Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because apparently the the, the, the actor's p- mother was a pain in the ass, so it, so the, they had her written out, had the kid written out. And the second thing was that, that the the creator of the show didn't like the fact that in the in the captions that brown horse is it's almost like he's the star of the show. So that is the exact same horse that ends up running over the kid to make the horse the villain. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is you know that's spoiler for, for season two if you haven't seen that. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's interesting that they they ended up writing the guy out, and it's amazing how many people like uh, Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. There's a whole series of actors from Sons of Anarchy in this. I think it's the the creators are related to the to the show, um, and also The Walking Dead because mm-hmm. um, Joni and uh, Charlie Utter. Both play roles, or Charlie Utter plays a role in, in Sons of Anarchy. He's like the, the local sheriff kind of dude. Um, but he also is in in The Walking Dead, not Walking Dead, The Fear of the Walking Dead. Yep. And Joni Stubbs is one of the main characters in the first two seasons, right? So, um, I mean, the actress who plays Yeah, Kim Dickinson, yeah. Kim Dickinson, yeah. And, and, you know, and then Tim Olesman went on to play, um, I knew him, Justified. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I watched the first, you know, six, show, six shows of, the, of Justified. I think you had the, the box set or something. Yeah, I, I have them all. I
2: love Justified. It's one of my favorite shows.
1: Yeah, and, and he went on, like, he went right into, into that. And, of course, he mm-hmm. was in, you know, we talked about him last year on, on The Mandal- Mandalorian as well. Mm-hmm. Always playing. It's
2: a, a lawman, yeah,
1: and uh, so it's it interesting. And you know, they even brought in White Earp because White Earp actually did show up in in Deadwood, Detroit, and, and Deadwood, South Dakota. This really is a place, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's kind of interesting that it kind of—I mean, it was part of the gold rushes. Why? Why it's white, white, sort of one of the one of the magnetic places, like the Yukon was in in our our part of the world, right? But um, yeah, so it, and you know, it, it is up there north in terms of in terms of like it's—I think it's further north than we are mm-hmm. in Toronto. But um, it, a really interesting story, but like I said, you know, I think it, it um, you know, it, it, it's a, a bit like um, a, a sort of fiction, fictional literature, I guess, you know, yeah. called, you know, where you, where you have a story, like it's based on actual historical events, but they kind of, you know, play with them a bit um, It gets a little tiring, like I said. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure, I, forgot, I, forgot, I think I did look up the reason why it was canceled, but I um, can't remember what it was, but yeah, I could, I could see why it got canceled too, right? Because it, it does get a little tiring, uh, in some senses, right? But um.
2: yeah, I get it. But it was always the issue was always that it ends on a real sort of unresolved place. You know, like the bad guy basically wins at the end of season three, and they're like, "And there's no more episodes." See, Because yeah, George Hurst is sort of this you know all-encompassing politician bad guy, yeah. and and it's he basically wins. Earth. He kills yeah. off one of the heroes, and he basically he wins. Yeah. And then they're like, "There's no more episodes." And so for the longest time, that people were just clamoring like, "Please give us." a more satisfying ending than this because well it
1: came out in 2019 it wasn't that you know it was fairly recent the movie came out right so it
2: it was a long gap between the two things like a crazy long gap 2002 or something 2004 was when the first season came out I think like it was a long time ago uh, you forgot yeah. to mention the best part of the show, which is Molly Parker, who uh Canada can, Canadian Canada girl. own Molly Parker. Yes. Uh, she's oh amazing. no no no
1: no <gasps> the, the the girl that played uh, um Clammy Jane. Oh my god! Oh Roger go yeah. she, she actually did win an, win an Emmy for that role or yeah, something.
2: Yeah. She won something for that role. but She uh, was great, and was I mean, there's so many. And so was Paula Malcolmson, the uh, woman who plays Trixie. She was great. Do you know that Cy is actually Paula
1: Paula's father. No, in real life. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway. so many
2: good performances in this show. And, and you know, again, it is – when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that person's also in here. Oh, that person's in here. Oh, that person's yeah. in here. It really is uh, – And Woo Woo is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't, yeah. can't say what he said all the time, but <laughs> – yeah. Yeah but yeah, yeah no great show i I'm, I'm i'm you're rekindling my interest in going back and watching the whole thing I, I just felt like i it had been so long between my watches of it that uh i felt like yeah. i could use a recap
1: yeah for sure for sure my next pick is solar opposites which i kind of i saw it and i kind of stumbled on it and thought hmm should i watch it i was a little leery about watching it, but it's from the same people who make rick and morty mm. and uh it's i mean it's the same voices too so it is it's kind of like you know there is a bit of time travel in the Else, a bit of spoilers there for folks but um, it's about a, a couple of uh, the planet blows up smir- smir- or something like that blows up They, they so they, they put two people two car- people together and they're, they're in a relationship but they're they're not male or female like they, they, they sort of have these male or female poles to the characters um, and uh, they each get a couple of replicants which are basically their spawn and a pupa right <laughs> and they get sent down to, they end up crashing on earth and they, they're on top of and so of like the whole you know everybody in the school the kids two two young kids go to school and and, it, and the principal hates them and everybody hates them and it, it's hilarious but it's it's sort of like um the couple the, the main characters the, the main the main dude is is uh voiced by the same guy who does uh rick's voice and um and his partner his partner is just like a real so it's sort of almost like the odd couple animated hmm. in a sense um but yeah they're and they're they're, and they're always getting up to antics and and it's got that same sort of like if you're missing rick and morty and you, you you want to watch something till then it's it's basically one and a half seasons in the first season is completely available on disney plus and the second season is is uh coming out one every friday there we go with the fridays again <laughs> um but yeah it's it's and there's it's the same sort of twisted you know storytelling that you get in rick and morty not quite as sophisticated in a sense but but it definitely has it definitely has some so if you're if like it it stands up with with that that same sort of as of uh storytelling right so pretty good, yeah. Cool.
2: And That's it's airing here me. on Disney Plus through that star edition that they added yes. in here in, right. in Canada. It's a Hulu show in the States. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah.
1: Alright. Uh, Made for Love. Hmm. The same actress who was in uh, uh, Palm Springs, I believe, right? Palm Springs, um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting story. Um, it's, I don't know, it's got a sci-fi element to it, which is why it sort of fits into our show. Um, but I think the, the ending, the ending, obviously, they're setting up a second season Season, but the ending was a little on the nose kind of thing. But uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like it's it's about a, a woman who is uh, she's in she's married to a the richest guy, like the almost Elon Musk type of guy, right? Mm. Bill Gates, Elon Musk. He's, he's got technology or whatever, and he um, forces her to be his wife and keeps her in this you know virtual reality for ten years. Mm. And it starts where she and in the first episode she escapes and then she goes back home to her she's basically a trailer trash girl at the end of the day right um no offense to trailer trash people but you know her her father uh, ray romano um you know her mother's dead he's even he's, he's had he has a relationship with a sex doll um who he dresses and acts you know has everybody expected to, to you know treat her as a real person um and of course the entire town thinks he's you know loopy because <laughs> he's the guy with the sex doll. All. anyway this is what she comes home to right and and she has to sort of go through this you know this sort of uh, uh, oh my god i've been imprisoned by this dude and and because he's a techno you know techno genius she just can't get away from him yeah right yeah yeah so it's a great story i don't know if you guys have seen any of it but uh, definitely definitely worth a watch i'm not gonna give any spoilers away on that one but I've, I've, I've already said too much but i haven't said i haven't said too much but yeah
2: yeah I mean that's that's pretty much what you get from the trailer anyways i i had flagged that once i kristen militti is the actress's name mm, is the star yeah, um, yep. Yep. she was. She was really good in, in Palm Springs, and she was the mother. And she was in Black Mirror. She was in Black Mirror. Black Mirror. She was in a great episode of Black Mirror. She was the mother in the last season of How I Met Your Mother. And right, yes, yes. She is a, a really talented singer and a really talented actress. So I, I really enjoy her anyway. So I had flagged that one as a, as, as a to watch. So I'm glad that it's got the uh, Tim stamp of approval because I think that yeah. one's. Uh, it, looks
1: it's good. A, it's a little. It's funny because I, I, I hope she's not going to get typecast into that kind of role because it is a
2: little bit like Palm Springs in a sense, right? But, yeah.
1: But not quite a, Not quite as loopy, if you know what I'm saying. Somebody
2: who looks sweet but is actually kind of uh, bitter on the inside. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's hard done by, for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, that was back on the list. All right. Now get your big bab-
0: bab- popcorn and your big gulp ready for... Homies.
2: Lord
0: yes. of <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> two,
0: two very different movies on my uh, watch list on very different uh, streaming services. So HBO had uh, more Mortal Kombat: The 2021 Edition One, and um, you know, I actually think it's it's pretty enjoyable. Um, it, it's got its flaws for sure. Um, it benefits from I think... is it like two people standing on either side of the screen for the whole movie? <laughs> <laughs> they, they they don't quite do that, but they, they they kind of get you there. So I think they do a decent job of uh, bringing in characters. They don't try to overload it with too many characters, which which can be a problem for something that uh, as a property has as many characters as something like mortal Kombat does and it's it's kind of interesting that they they sort of intentionally from the basic premise of the movie set up the fact that you kind of want a sequel because the whole premise of the movie is hey you know this video game about a fighting tournament so the main bad guys want to make it so the tournament never actually happens <laughs> and then yeah. plot what happens right um, uh, so it's got that, it, it's a little weird in that it introduces a, uh, you know, a completely original character as far as I know. Um, but I, I think that's so that they have the excuse of, oh, this is the audience surrogate. This is the person who has things explained to them. Um, but it's, it's got, uh, I think a decent amount of comedy. It's got good action. And, um, how does it compare to the original, uh, Mortal Kombat movie? Kind of hard to judge. I need to watch that movie again with not teenager eyes and see how I feel as a much older Older adult uh, about that. That one is uh, uh, near and dear for nostalgia reasons, if nothing else. But um, it's definitely a whole lot better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the, the sequel from the '90s. So I'd say check it out, especially if you've already been paying the monies for HBO Max.
2: Yeah, it's another one where you know you 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 uh, rip on us for our subsidized sci-fi, but the only way to watch Mortal Kombat here right now is to pay the thirty dollars to rent it on on uh, PVOD. So that one's a bit of a bummer for us I, I it's not on Crave or whatever it's not mm-hmm. I, I, I. so this was part of the sort of wave of things that were moved over from yeah Godzilla is another one right? yeah it from works. Warner Brothers yeah. they moved some stuff over to HBO Max this year to sort of give people some flexibility given the climate out there and unfortunately there was no equivalent thing done here in Canada so we don't get any of that stuff up front it all just sort of trickles through six months later so I imagine sometime by like maybe fall we'll get that on our on our services but right now yeah if you want to watch it you have to pay a pretty penny for it and i gotta be honest i just can't see committing 30 dollars to mortal kombat
0: yeah, I don't I don't think I would have paid the 30 at uh at 14.99 rental, which is how I've been viewing all of the um Warner Brothers media for each month of HBO Max. I think it's worth it there if if you're not watching it alone, you watch with at least one other person. 30 is is a pretty high hill to climb, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Next one I've got is uh The Mitchells versus the Machines. This is a 3D animated um family movie. I think it's pretty pretty family friendly from what I remember about a um a family that is going through a little bit of a change, given that their uh, teenage daughter is going to go off to college and she's excited to leave because she doesn't fit in with her family. Pretty sort of straightforward tropes there, but leads into something I think pretty interesting when the titular family becomes the lone hope for humanity after a uh, Apple product stand-in is uh, responsible for taking over the world with the aforementioned machines in a Skynet kind of way. Uh, it, it's got good, uh, good art design. It, it, if you've played any of the uh, Telltale Walking Dead games, uh, it, it's got that sort of cell shaded sort of painted look to it, which is neat. But it's, it's got a different look. It also is very heavily into the internet meme culture. So if you have even the slightest clue what TikTok is, you'll probably enjoy some of the references that they make uh, here and there. It, it's all in all a, a good sort of um, heartwarming film. It's uh, got some pretty good actors. I'm going to look up the cast. I know that uh, uh, the the AI is played by um, what's her name from the crown uh, that the British lady she played, uh, yeah, her the, the, the older lady she <laughs> won, like Olivia Coleman, maybe, maybe I gotta look up the name, but yeah, you'll recognize folks, including John Legend and Tissy, uh, Chrissy Teigen, as uh, the, the neighbors who have like the perfect family around them. So, mm. check it out, it's effectively free on Netflix, assuming you haven't canceled it. Coleman O'Brien's in it, yeah. Uh, Maya Rudolph plays the mother, I know that I recognize that voice. Right. Uh, Fred Armisen Brandon and uh, Beck Bennett mm-hmm. from uh, uh, SNL play a couple of robots, oh, yeah, it is
1: Olivia coleman yeah he plays pal fred Armisen's in it Mike bennett
2: Danny mcbride
1: eric andre my
0: rudolph.
2: rudolph yeah olivia coleman is the the actress blake griffin
0: yeah i'm not sure i mostly know blake griffin from his time in the in the clippers you know the basketball so yeah. i don't actually know what he sounds like all that well uh i'm not actually sure which character he was hmm
2: And Alex Hirsch is a great voice performer. He's from uh, Gravity Falls, the Disney series that was uh, fostering uh, my youngest son and I are huge fans of. He played Dirk. Apparently. Yeah, I, I saw the trailer for this and it looked funny. I just didn't know if it was like funny and a kid funny or funny and you can appreciate it on a lot of levels funny.
0: Yeah, I think it's a it's a lot of levels. Um, it's got an... I need to check the Rotten Tomatoes again, but it, it had some insane 90 plus percentage for both the critics and the audience awards. Uh, so pretty good chance you'll, you'll like cool. it if you listen to this uh, this very
2: podcast. Nice. Well, cool. think you're up, John. All right. Well, this... Uh, trailer dropped last week as well, and this was one that I knew that was coming, but it hadn't really been on the, the front of my uh, mind. But there's a show coming to Netflix in June called Sweet Tooth, and Sweet Tooth is based on a wonderfully quirky vertigo comics series of the same name created uh, written and illustrated by Jeff Lemire Canadian uh, and, a, and a really nice guy I've had a chance to interact with him a few times and uh, super super talented he's been a, an a-list comic writer for geez like 10 15 years now and he also he sort of waffles back and forth between some really interesting sort of mainstream things he's he's had runs on on very sort of popular mainstream books, but he's also done some really, really... I, I really enjoy his sort of offbeat um, stuff, and this was is, is the perfect example of it. So it's basically set in this sort of post-apocalyptic world where... Uh, most of humanity has been wiped out by a virus so timely and the some of the children that are born after this sort of uh, uh, virus has wiped out so much of humanity are hybrids of animals and human beings and Sweet Tooth is a little boy who is part human being and part deer and so the the story in the comic books is about how this this sort of very vulnerable little boy is taken in by this very gruff uh, 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 sort of protector character uh, in the trailer. We see it's Will Forte, um, uh, formerly SNL, all kinds of different parts. Will's played. Um, I think he was the last man on earth was the last thing he did. It was, it was large. And uh, yeah, so he is basically about him sort of trying to get from point A to point B in this sort of weird world, trying to figure out, you know, how these hybrids are connected to this, this pandemic and how all these sort of mysteries inter intertwine, in in this sort of weird world. The the trailer looks pretty good. It looks like an interesting, you know, it's got a bit of a Walking Dead post-apocalyptic vibe, but then there's sort of definitely a sci-fi element to it. And yeah, it, to me, it looked really interesting. And, and the, the visual effects for, you know, um, the little boy that they have uh, playing Gus, that the lead character looks pretty good with the, the, the deer ears and the antlers and, and the little boy. Um, I'm curious. I'm, I'm really curious to see if they can pull this off because it is a bit of a weird idea. And it was a I would say it's very much a cult book, but I don't think it ever really broke through in the way that some other properties from Vertigo, like, you know, the Sandman, Why the Last Man, Preacher, stuff like that kind of broke through. So it'll be interesting to see what the public reaction is to this. I think it was brilliant. And I think, it you know, it's one of those ones where it's such a beautiful comic. Like, Lemire has a very unique style to his art. And he tells really graceful and, and really beautiful long-form stories and, and short-form stories for that matter. But he really is a really excellent Master of pacing and and doing these really interesting quiet books, and I, I'm curious to see how that comes together as a Netflix series. If they'll if they'll have to sort of take it a different direction, or if it will if they'll take the time to sort of just let it breathe and and be this sort of beautiful character study, look at humanity kind of thing that the book was. Have you guys had chance to see the trailer for this yet? Yeah, I saw the mm-hmm. trailer. Yeah, I'm yep. not familiar with the property. name here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would recommend the book to anybody who's who's thinking of going down that road because it's. Uh, it's an excellent read and i and it will be a very different experience just because the art is so beautiful and unique it doesn't look like anything else lemire is a really hmm. interesting artist it really is um, a special a special book and yeah it'll be really interesting to see if that becomes uh, a special tv series hopefully it'll drive everybody back to netflix who has been apparently flooding the, flooding <laughs> the gates like rats from a sinking ship yeah exactly Sure.
1: Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another another session, another week. Um, so people
2: in good touch with you, Jonathan, where would they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News.
1: All right. And Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs. I'm on ones. Twitter as at Dev with the hair. All right. My name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. Twitter is the best place to find me. So until next time, we'll see
0: you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spockcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash
2: the advice i think you had given many episodes back to him and watched ted lasso oh yeah. yeah yeah i loved it i really did yeah i thought it was really charming i i wasn't sure what to make of it because you know i, I wasn't not necessarily enamored of you know the sort of uh middle american going the over premise. to England yeah. and the yeah. whole bit but damn that show is charming so many good characters so much you know it's funny it's it's heartfelt it's it's really good it's really good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i uh I was both su- surprised and not surprised to find that uh, the series season two is coming in July, about three weeks after my free trial of of Apple TV Plus. ends. that seemed about right. yeah Yeah, i i will probably wait for all of ted lasso to
0: be done and maybe watch some other thing like uh servant or something before i would resubscribe because my trial also ends inconveniently i I think i did the math and i think i can see all of mythic quest season two before it ends and that'll be the the last hurrah on my
2: uh my loading moocher account that i have from buying my device (laughs) more than the same same thing yeah 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 Yeah, I, i looked at it and i was just like oh i wonder what when my thing expires oh it expires at the end of june when does this come out three weeks later yeah that's about right so what 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 expires your free uh free apple tv yeah i got i got a free subscription to apple tv plus with my purchase of my iphone uh 11 and so i've had that and they've extended it a couple times because i guess they wanted to make sure that they put you know enough quality material out there so that you had a chance to sort of get hooked (laughs) i was looking online the other day because that series that we talked about two weeks ago the, or three weeks ago, where it was the uh, Jupiter's Legacy, the one that came out on Netflix, mm-hmm. that was based mm-hmm. on a Mark Miller comic. I had seen that it came out last week, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll put that on my my to do to watch list. And then I read the uh, Hollywood Reporter review of it today, and right. oh my goodness, it was scathing. Like really? they were just like, do not waste your time. <laughs> I was like, ooh, wow, harsh so I'm, I'm now a little bit on the fence I don't like to be just swayed by like one review so I might I might start to see if there's a few other opinions out there but actually I saw a couple of um, friends in, in the comic book community here in, in Canada who I, I'm social media friends with and they were saying great book not great show so I, I'm okay. disappointed that it sounds like it was not uh, up to scratch but I, I will reserve my judgment I will not be uh, per, you know perhaps swayed by whatever. everybody else thinks maybe I'll I'll still give it a shot, but it doesn't sound like it's being uh, enjoyed very much right now.
1: And I think I mentioned I watched Stowaway too, which is about a trip to Mars, and, and yeah, uh,
2: is that good? I, I, the trailer looks really good. You know,
1: it, it, it could be better. Like mm. the, the problem, the problem with it is, it's almost like you know, like would you send the people? Would you send people to Mars without seatbelts? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So it has a whole lot of like, like, okay, so things break down in the ship because they didn't bring any redundant resources with them. Hello, you're going to Mars for two years. You don't have backups. You know. And safety protocols it's like it, there's a whole lot of things in this that they're just you know yeah it, it wants to be a great movie but or it wants to be a great story and, and the ending's a bit eh whatever mm. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's uh you know it it just like like so many things go wrong on the ship and you're like where's the backup what thing that broke just broke or like why yeah. would you only send them to there with one of these you know ridiculous yeah hmm. or not having the skills to fix things you know so that's too bad.
2: I just looked at the uh i just looked at the rotten tomatoes for jupiter's legacy right now it's at a solid 38 percent. right oh wow. i was gonna say is the hollywood reporter a good good measure for i i actually enjoy that they, they have one critic in particular whose work i um i've come to enjoy so uh, i just i like his writing style and i think he um i think he's um a decent gauge again i wouldn't say he's perfect in consensus but he's a, he's a, a decent gauge for whether or not i might want to invest in something right right hmm. so next is uh Loki. Are you guys watching Bad Batch? Have you guys watched Bad Batch? Yes. I've only yeah, seen I the first it. episode
0: because like a soon. dummy, I thought it was on Tuesday. So I need to go back
2: and watch Friday's <laughs>
0: episode. <laughs> what channel is it on for you it's on disney plus yeah yeah but i i don't have the notifications on or anything which i guess maybe i should turn those on on the on the iphone app just so i know when to watch it on my tv Mm. yeah
2: yeah i i i didn't i still have not yet watched the the last year's final season of clone wars and i know that that's where they sort of springboard this i thought oh i shouldn't i shouldn't dive into bad batch without watching that and and then it just becomes a snowball of like well what am i going to watch first and next and everything else so i think i I got to make a point of watching uh, the last bit of Clone Wars and then this next because it does look good. I've I've enjoyed what I've seen from the bits and bobs on TV, but uh, I haven't haven't dove in yet.
1: Yeah, i still gonna go back and uh, finish off Clone Wars. I'm still like many seasons back. Yeah. Well, if it helps, well, I mean, to, again, you know, and
2: it, it does. It, it dovetails into Rebels too, right? So it's that commitment of like, oh, so wait, there's six seasons of Clone Wars, and then there's four seasons of Rebels, and now they're into the Bad Batch. You're like, oh, so it's eleven seasons of yeah. television. Great.
1: Yeah, and this bad batch. I mean, this the, the the five or whatever guys. There is an episode of the Clone Wars where they're going through training, and these are the guys that I thought they were. Oh, okay, right?
2: so that's yeah, I've seen that episode, the one where they're like,
1: you know, they're doing the trials yep, or whatever. Yep, and, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they actually because they actually go through that and again and think in the first episode, but uh, hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting interesting point in in I think you know where it fits into the story, right? Like in terms of Star Wars greater history
2: yeah it's after order 66 right yeah
1: yeah yeah, oh, yeah. It, it actually just starts just before the order is given but yeah, yeah
0: if it helps you out john I've, other... I've not seen the i haven't seen any of rebels and I haven't seen the latter ep- seasons of clone wars i went into the premiere mm-hmm. pretty much knowing what was going on like like i'm sure i would have enjoyed uh more of the callbacks and etc more if i had uh better clues on on what the connections were but mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel like it was strictly necessary i was all right there's Rambo there's Starscream there's wreck Ralph <laughs> you know like I could sort mm. of see who the, the different characters are and I was like all right it, it's enjoyable even if I didn't know um any history of these characters. But it wasn't mm, it wasn't too bad as a as a premiere for somebody who's coming in without knowing them.
2: Yeah. Well, again, it's it's not that I don't want to watch the other parts anyways. I may as well go and, and watch them on Fell Swoop. The other series that I, I forgot to mention in the watch list is one because I can't figure out where the hell it's gonna be here in Canada. So there's a new series coming to Hulu later in May, uh that's called Marvel's Modoc. And it stars Patton Oswald in this sort of animated series about this weird uh marvel villain who you know rides around in a floating chair and has this giant head and he is um it sort of looks like it's sort of this sort of you know uh humorous take on the villains of the marvel universe and it looks really funny and i love Patton and i thought oh i totally want to watch that it's in it's a hulu show in the states so I don't know if it's going to show up on star here in on Disney plus in Canada, but so far I can't find, I can't find it listed anywhere as being on. So I don't know what, like, I really want to see this show, but I don't know where to where to turn. Yeah. That's
0: seems like it's one of the bigger problems. Like we certainly we've talked about the the fracturing of the, the media across yeah. the different uh, streaming properties, but every time we talk about it, it adds a little bit more chaos saying, eh? and if you're not in the United States, this is where yeah. you know, all your info is, which just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me you think they'd make it a little bit more straightforward I know rights are a, a big deal and a problem but um it's just weird seeing like oh this thing is available on this streaming service except in Canada where it's on this other thing which I don't know if they could do co-branding or some other sort of thing to make that a little bit more seamless or or or, or even just have like a big old website like here you are we're Disney plus this is what we've got choose your region and this is what you get
2: oh it does seem like it's coming to Disney plus here in Canada I'm just I just- just found an article that went up uh let me check oh yeah I guess it is this is from a couple weeks ago um there's a now magazine article uh that says that it's coming to Disney Plus by a star so exactly what I was hoping would happen that's great so yeah I'm looking forward to that one it's coming on uh, the 21st it looks again it just looks Silly and funny and and yeah like it's it's kind of like it looks like animation that's sort of it's like stop motion it's it looks like, almost like a like a, a claymation kind of special um, but it looks super super funny and you said that that was coming to Disney plus for y'all D- yeah Disney plus up here Hulu for South of the uh, south of the border, south of the border has a different meaning up here. Just you know, <laughs> just like it's uh, south of the border, down
0: America way. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> you know, just like it's five p.m. somewhere in the world. It's
2: it's uh, you're, you're yeah, south of the border right. somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, uh, in fairness. Nothing, nothing south of, uh, nothing, we're not south of anything other than the North Pole, I guess. Little Claws land. That's right. We're, we're, we're south of, uh, uh, yeah. What are you called? Uh, Sasquatches and, um, any other mythical creatures that live up in the north. Hmm.
1: Anyway, it's time to pack it in and go enjoy the rest of my vacation.
2: Well, make sure you tune in, uh, at, at twelve oh five. The first episodes of the Canadian Health Information Podcast are mm-hmm. coming to your local podcast platform. This is a uh, project that I've been working on here for the uh, the government agency mm-hmm. I work for. And yep. uh, yeah, we've got our new podcast starting tonight. So what's your role in it? Just a writer? Or? Uh, I am the producer and... Okay. Um, so I am working. So how is it um, actually being made and who's recording and all that kind of stuff? So we have an external vendor that we work with that does the recording and the editing for mm-hmm. us. Oh, nice. Because mm-hmm. uh especially for first season, we really wanted to sort of set a, a good quality bar. And uh the host is one of my colleagues who uh is uh, a communications person and uh and a media relations expert, and she is excellent. Um and then i worked with a small team of about six people uh, all of us in that uh, that basically conceived, organized, did everything and then um uh yeah, we're sort of the ones seeing it to the gate and I've been sort of the exact producer/actual producer, slash actual producer uh, during the recordings, helping working the questions and stuff, but nice. it's been a real interesting collaborative experience and uh, and we're pretty proud of what we've been able to to put out there. I think the quality's pretty high and um so we're doing mm-hmm. two simultaneous podcasts cuz being Canada we're doing uh, an English and a French so we have a French channel which is Balado d'Information sur la Santé au Canadien uh Yeah. Oh, Canadian. And so that is coming at the same time. So it's two, two completely separate channels on all the podcast platforms Two completely separate interviews every time. So we're doing, um, we're doing an episode in English, an episode in French pretty much every week from now till mid July. And then we're going to take the summer off and we're going to come back and do a season two and a season three and a season four.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time.